uh, I started a nationally trending uh, hashtag this week, so you know I got that going for me. Uh, Wingian Gabriel, known uh, for showing uh, his insane athletic ability multiple times uh, on the court uh, and off. You know, it's always how is Buddy and not what is Buddy drinking. You think, oh my gosh, I caught a break. They're they're leaving the floor. Now you're a meme on Twitter because Reed Shepard just dumped on you. What is up, Big Blue Nation? Matt Sack, BBN here, joined by my three Twitter best friends. We got Big Blue Bud, we have 270 Bradley Smith, and we have Wildcat's Tongue, and we are rough to no good. And wow, do we have a lot to talk about. Since the last time we talked, we had an overtime thriller game. We had an all-time offensive performance for a Kentucky basketball team. Mark Stoops completed his entire tenure as a Texas A&M head coach, and Ray Davis threw the L's down, pulled down his pants, and defecated on one rapper, Jack Harlow. But before we talk about any of that, or even asking you guys how you're doing, I just personally would like to say happy belated Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Um, you guys are the best. We, we, as you can tell, we don't have ads. We, we don't like get money from this. We kind of just do it. Like we just get together and talk and just happen to record and post it for y'all to listen. And we don't get money, but I am very thankful for all the interactions that we can have, whether it be, um, Chick-fil-A Noah coming up to Bradley and saying, do you have a podcast or someone coming up to me at JC Penney's being like, Hey, I love the work or people just tweeting us on the daily. It's all a great time. So I'm very grateful for all of you guys. Um, but back to the podcast boys, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving WT. How are you doing? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Also, did you have a, uh, a, a one-year-old birthday coming up or past? Oh, oh yeah. It already happened. Uh, he's one. It's crazy. He's like saying words now. It's wild. But uh, no, I'm doing really well. Um, Thanksgiving was great. Ate a lot of food. Uh, Mom's homemade mac and cheese hit the spot as usual. Um, Just looking forward to a great week. But like this podcast was designed to be like all hype for Rowdy Rub. But like we have so much other things, so many other things to talk about. Like I don't don't know how much time we're going to get to spend on it. Like it's been a crazy week uh, in Lexington. That sounds fantastic, buddy. How was your Thanksgiving? It was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I knew somebody would break. I didn't think it would be me. I thought I would break you guys. Not that you would ask me that question at that exact moment. Tag on. (laughs) um fan uh fantastic thanksgiving was good uh, i got to drive home uh in eastern kentucky for thanksgiving uh, i don't get to go in often so that was cool uh, i drove through laurel county and i did not see any statues of reed shepherd which was the most disappointing thing i hear that there's a sign of his name somewhere when you enter the county from some angle but coming or going i didn't see it either way so uh gosh bradley <laughs> gosh um Oh, Lord. But uh, anyways, yeah, so uh, good holiday. Uh, Also uh, watched basketball the entire time. I probably watched 70 basketball games. My family was not into it at all. They were just like, you still watching basketball? Yep. Um, And watched Kentucky win against Louisville. Watched Kentucky win against Marshall uh, uh, explosively. So 
altogether, really good time. And I ate some turkey and ham. I prefer ham, but uh, yeah, good time, good time. How about you, Brad? I am doing all right. Um, you know, all things considered, it, it's going good. So I'm I'm happy. I um, yeah, yeah, going good. How about you, Sack? How are you today, Bradley? Before we even get to me, I just want to know: Did you redeem yourself with mac and cheese? Or did it mess up the whole meal again? I did. I did. I, I redeemed myself with mac and cheese. Shout out Lance Ware. Uh, but I would like to point out that the mac that Lance clowned on was not mine. My mom made that. I made I made the, the mac this time. So it's it was much, much better. Throwing your mom under the bus. But shout out Lance Ware. Four fouls in two minutes. And he let us know that all of them were BS. <laughs> he did they were 100 they flopped <laughs> yeah um but bradley thank you for asking i did have a very good thanksgiving i just came back from los angeles so wow wednesday or tuesday i drove out to chicago which is where my family lives and we dropped off my dog so my mom could puppy sit her for the week while my girlfriend and i flew out to los angeles we had a great time i got to meet a lot of her family for the first time even though we've been dating for three and a half years that's what happens when your girlfriend's family lives in LA and you're in a pandemic. Um, but it was finally nice to finally meet them. They're all super nice. Spent a great time for Thanksgiving. We went to Sunday night football last night. We saw the Chargers lose, which was sad. But uh, at least I had one of my football teams win this week and flew back. We had like a we got to the airport at like 3 a.m. or something like that for like a, a 4 a.m., 5 a.m. flight. And then I've just had to drive back from Chicago and I'm exhausted right now, but we're here talking about the cats. So I'm about to be re-energized because where do we even start? Okay. So I don't think we necessarily discuss St. Joe's, but that's just yeah. the thing in the past right now. How about the Kentucky okay. Wildcats? What did we put up? 117 points or something ridiculous like that? 117. Yeah. That's the actual exactly. record. Wow. That was the record. Joey Hart put him over the top. It used to be 170. Seven six or six. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Um, but the stand the, the standout <laughs> performer, DJ Wagner, having the DJ Wagner breakout game that we've been looking for. Now, a few episodes ago, I said personally, I think that Justin Edwards was going to see that breakout game first, and we we're. I just kind of wanted DJ Wagner to be consistent and just consistently be a B plus A minus player, even if he can't uh, consistently be an A plus player like I thought Justin Edwards would be. But DJ Wagner actually took that step first. And WT and Buddy, that was something that y'all called. So one of you speak first as to what you saw from DJ Wagner. Whoever starts talking first wins. I was there. Um, so it was honestly really cool to see the energy of Rupp change as that game unfolded. Um, because, of course, when Reed checked in for DJ the first time, what does Rupp do? They're the loudest they've been all year, <laughs> whenever Reed just exists. But um, as DJ kept getting to the rim, kept making these difficult layups, hit two, like, great threes, it like, the stadium started to catch on to what was happening, that he was having a breakout game. And to like add to that, it wasn't like DJ carried us to a win. That was a massive team win. The entire team played wonderful, played well within their roles, like played to what they're supposed to be. Like, if you want to nitpick, Justin Edwards didn't play fantastic, but guess what he did? He knocked down two or three threes. <laughs> like, uh, it it was like 
the wet dream of what this team could be offensively. Uh, now, we have some issues defensively. I think it's overblown. Uh, people see the number like 82 on the uh, scoreboard and think that, oh, we played awful defensively. We only averaged, we only gave up like just barely, like 1.02 points per possession, which isn't elite by any means but it's not like awful we had like seven or eight of those performances or worse in the 2014-2015 season like teams are able to give up that many points um it's just there was a ton of possessions and we were elite offensively and and the less the other team has to spend time defending the more that they can score it just being there it was so fun just watching the score climb up. It's so great. Yeah, DJ Wagner, 28 points. I think that's the most by anyone on our team in a single game so far this season. 71% shooting, 40% from three. He had five assists to just one turnovers, three steals, a rebound, and a block. Allegedly, he's transferring to Louisville, according to a former yeah. Duke player that's currently announcer. According uh, to some other national media guys, he would never be able to play next to Rob Dillingham, um, and he should probably just transfer to Louisville. And according to, I don't even know what to call this person, Kentucky fan, blogger, statistician, whatever, he is, quote-unquote, officially a worry. Um, DJ pretty much just said shut up to all three of those people all at once. Buddy, how about you now? I'm feeling good. I, I largely agree with what WG said, and, and I'm glad you were there. That's exciting. I was at the St. Joe's game, and it got fun. But, uh, oh, me and Brad were both there. Me and Brad got to hang out and watch that guy flap his wings the whole time. Um, but really, I just – I go back to what Cal said really all season long. Um, like, hey, DJ, I'm not worried about you whatsoever. Completely not worried. You're going to have your game. You're going to be there. It's only a matter of time. I've seen you in the gym. I've seen, you know, you're putting in the effort. Every single thing I coach you on, you go and you do immediately. This is the same thing Cal's been singing since the beginning. It was only a matter of time. And for Justin, just for what it's worth, he's been saying something a little bit different. Uh, he said this in his, uh, like the fan show or whatever, after the uh, post-game presser in the St. Joseph's game. Um, and then he said something similar to it later. Um that Justin needs to kind of maybe adjust the way that he's practicing a little bit, uh, maybe show up a little bit earlier, a little bit harder. He mentioned kind of vaguely that uh, he showed up with the sleepies, I think was Cal's exact words, uh, showed up an hour before the game to shoot off or to, uh, you know, to warm up with the sleepies. Um, and uh, yeah, he said sleepies two or three times. It was pretty funny, but said that they're working on that. And so um that, that's funny, but uh, and and I think you can see that in both of their games, and it kind of makes sense with all the other things he's saying about these guys. Like the ones who live in the gym, are the ones who are going to succeed, um, and that's that's just it's proven true uh, all throughout the year, and will continue to prove true. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. DJ led the way, and Justin, we're still waiting for him to make that big jump, but very well balanced effort. I mean, going through the stats, it looks like you just played a game of two K. Like, Trey Mitchell had 18 points, four rebounds, four assists, over 50% shooting. Uh, Justin Edwards still knocked down three of four threes, so shot 75% from three. Already said what DJ Wagner did. Reeves, five of seven from three for 23 points. Rob Dillingham, 16 points on eight shots, knocked down 100% of his threes. Also had eight assists and five rebounds, flirted with a triple-double. 
I mean, up and down. And then Joey Hart coming off the bench to set the record with a three. WT, you said you were there. Did that get Rupp Rowdy? <laughs> it was. Was it hashtag like, Rowdy Rupp? <laughs> it was Rowdy. That that entire last thing, but to see Joey Hart be the one, because like people were cheering. The people who knew the record were cheering because the record was just broken. But people who were just there, whenever like some guy off the bench, like Joey's not just some guy off the bench. He's like a three star recruit who scored like twenty five points a game in high school. Um, but him coming there and like hitting his first was that his first three of his Kentucky career it has to be right. I think it's his first shot. First field goal. That's the first shot. Yeah. Whenever you see that happen, like 100%. you get loud in the, the whole stadium or I keep saying stadium. It's not a stadium. It's arena. The whole arena was it's that awesome. the loudest part of the game. And that's considering like Dillingham did some absolutely wild stuff, like in fast breaks. And uh, we had some really good dunks. Like that, that was the loudest the arena got. It was awesome. That's funny. It just adds to that like meme I've been talking about for a long time. It's like anytime that Joey Hart does anything, everybody loses their minds. It's just so funny. I mean, it's very similar to like Brad Calipari a few years ago. Yeah. You know, every time he gets past half court, shoot, shoot. Yeah, what Brad Calipari didn't do was uh was make out shots. of the three point competition so that he could join the dunk competition <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> and he won <laughs> yeah brad calipari wasn't like a three-star recruit who is like six foot five and has a 40 inch vertical and like is like a, a potential like 30 plus percent shooter from three counterpoint joey hart isn't an assistant at vanderbilt Wow. That that's a great counterpoint, Bradley. I'm not even sure what to say to that. <laughs> but Bradley, you are you are extreme prediction guy. Um, I think you multiple times this year have predicted our football team to get to 70. Um, I don't know if we did predictions on show for the Marshall game, but at any point this year, would you have imagined that our team would have gotten into 118? Even the unfathomable predictor, could you have seen it happen? And are we done? Can we get yeah. more? Yes, I would have seen it happening because we have Louisville on the schedule. They suck. What do we put up against Louisville? Bazinga. We put up 160 on Louisville. <laughs> if we did that against Marshall, we put I mean, up 160 on Louisville. Oh. Bradley, you predicted only 82 points against Marshall. So I did. They, the one, they the one time, expectations. The one time that I'm not just outlandish with my predictions, they actually go and do something outlandish. I mean, I thought that we would – I mean, I thought we'd land in the 80s somewhere. I thought you have to pay the piper at some point and that this three-point, like, not missing from three range is just going to, like, slow down at some point. The only time it slowed down is in the Kansas game when we, like, needed it most and we shot, like, 12% or something. Of course, I'm sure we won't go cold in the tournament this year. Like, we <laughs> – I'm sure that won't happen. Famous but... last words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come back to this in four months. Uh, can I can I go into our three point shooting a little bit because think back at Cal teams, we've had like maybe two good three point shooting Cal teams like 2011, and actually maybe 2017. Are there any other good three point shooting teams y'all could think of? Uh, the nineteen uh, twenty team wasn't horrible. I don't think. Well, it was well, really, they really just quickly really, shooting them. It was quickly right. because. 
Hagen shot like 28%. Or Maxi shot like 28%. Yeah, Maxi did not shoot 30%. Maxi only hit really? the important ones. Not that yeah. He, yeah, he didn't. <laughs> he only hit the important ones, not that I, many. I I'm guess thinking... just revisionist history in my mind because I just remembered him as this lights-out shooter. Maybe 2019 anyway. because they had Hero and Keldon and PJ shot over 40% from three. Oh, Reed yeah, could shoot right. from three. Quickly was off the bench. Uh, Jamal Baker was off the bench. <laughs> Nothing like this, though. Nothing like this. Jamal yeah, so... Baker is still off the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you might so start for here's... New Mexico. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Here's what we got. No, you're fine. Uh, Kentucky right now is number five in the country in three-point percentage as a team. They're shooting 42.5% as a team. Like, if we just had one – like, we didn't have one guy shoot 42.5% last year. So 42.5%, I know it's early in the season. That number will likely go down. But for right now, just stick with me. If you were to look at the top teams in percentage, we have more three-point attempts than everyone in the top 38. And we're still number five. The next wow. closest team that is that has as many attempts as us is Creighton. They're shooting at 38.7%. They're number 39 in percentage as a team. Um, the only team that's coming close is Liberty. Liberty's only like taken two less threes and made one less. So like they're right up there with us um, as far as production goes and the rate of production. But other than Liberty, no other team is like matching anything close to not just how often we make threes, but how many threes we take. So the volume is something that is on top of it. We're not taking 18 threes a game like a typical Cal team and just happen, happening to make them. We're taking 29 threes a game and making 42.5% of them. This is, the, this is unprecedented. Kentucky is legitimately, statistically, the best three-point shooting team in the country so far. I can't remember exactly the play, but what was the play like where we had three total dribbles and eleven passes, and it just ended in a wide open three? I'm like, yes, this uh, is. So, you said what was zone. it? The we, wet dream of basketball. Us. You can't zone us this year. It's crazy. Cal has always had awful zone offense for the most part. Sometimes we were good. You can't zone us this year because not only can we hit threes, we were the best passing team Cal's ever had too. It, it this gate this year's gonna be so fun. Now, who's number one on that list? I'm curious. Isn't it Miami? Is Miami not the actual like currently ranked the number one in the country in in three point percentage? They're shooting like forty six percent or something stupid. I don't think they're number one. Uh, keep talking while I look for that. But okay. they are good three point shooting. So I think Calipari mentioned on his like radio show today that Miami's number one and that Kentucky's like close behind. And if it had not been for the Kansas game, sort of dropping our percentage that. We, you know, we might be right there. So, um, but he might have said in power, uh, five or something. I, I really don't know. But I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty good. That's, I mean, buddy. Yeah. So you know, you know, I love Cal, but one thousand percent, Cal could have completely just made that up on the spot I just know, to like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, like they're also is the best fact... rebounding team in the country, and we're like top five. <laughs> we're right behind them. Like it, it, he, he was in fact correct up. here. So things have updated since I made that tweet. Miami is number one at 45.8%. Yes. Here's the thing. They've only taken 118 threes this season. We've taken That's 174. Disgusting. And we're just behind them. So like Miami can absolutely shoot the ball, but they're not shooting it near the volume as Kentucky. So it, it, it's going to be a wild 
wild game tomorrow. It's going to be like that 20, I guess it technically happened in 2016, that game in um, Vegas, well, uh, UNC versus <laughs> Kentucky. That's just, I think it's going to be that so... game like on crack. <laughs> like we might have multiple guys go for 47, not just one with Malik Monk. I'm so excited. I am excited. Do you want to just get into it? Rowdy Rupp? Rowdy Rupp, sure. So, buddy, you unfortunately said that at some point this hot shooting, it, it has to end at some point. And the last time it did end was against a good team that has other guards that can match up against ours. So, inevitably, like, we're, I just don't think we're going to shoot, like, 107% from three against uh, Miami like we did Marshall, even though Miami's not necessarily known for their defense either. Just the fact that they're more athletic, just they're going to make us work harder and all of that. But I just think just one game, one game. I need everyone to just be a little bit competent. Well, like one or two guys are just going to be good. It's inevitable. But just one game, please no one go like just I don't want to see a tour date. I don't want to see like three of like 19 looking in the scorebook later. Like, please, please. Looking um, at you, Antonio. Generational performances from Antonio Reeves. I, I literally think that's the only key to the game. Just be competent rebounding. Even like when we played Dickinson, like we didn't rebound great, but we did fine enough. Just no one have the worst shooting game of their entire life just for one game, please. I think we're going to be I, – I, well, somebody's going to have a bad shoot. I feel like statistically somebody has to be hot and somebody has to be cold. You know what I mean? Like, but there's a difference between having an off night and just having like the worst game of your career. Yeah, generational. Yeah, no, I think that I think we're going to shoot over thirty percent from three. And we're going to be fine. I think that it's going to come down to the rebounding, which is why I think we win because we're not going to be quite as undersized as we normally are without our bigs. Their t- next tallest guy is like six ten or something, or they're you know Miami's tallest tallest guy on the roster. So we're not going to be way undersized the way that we were against Kansas. I think we're going to win the rebound game because we're going to play harder because Cal's going to have him play harder and we're going to be screaming in everybody's face the whole time um and i think that's gonna i think that's gonna give us more possessions more chances uh and we're gonna win it's a close game though it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hell of a shootout the over under was like 163 i'm taking the over it was only one i'm shocked that's not higher i know you should it will take the alternate man get the get some money on that i might i might i think i heard something today we have not scored under like 80 points yet like every single game we've played in we've gotten over 80 points I'm not. Do we get to 80 in St. Joe's in regulation? Because that might be cheating technically, but still. Uh, in regulation, I don't I think, think so. I think it was 78. Yeah, I'm not going to get mad at semantics though. We scored 80 in every game. You have to think Miami's going to be right there. And you know what? If if we put up our 80 or so, and Miami just craps the bed and can't make anything because Rupp is so freaking rowdy, and I lose my bet, so be it. Yeah, that'll be all right. That'll be all right. That'll play. So, obviously, well, maybe not obviously. I don't know. Uh, but we are the much deeper team. But I'm afraid that Miami might have the best player, like individual player on the court. I'm a big fan of Norchad Omier. Uh, I really, really badly wanted him out of the portal. Uh, that did not end up happening. Um, He is... I don't know if a more athletic Trey Mitchell is a good comp, just like to kind of help put a, a frame of reference here, but that's kind of where I would go. Uh, but I, 
I think he's the best individual player on the court, uh, but we have the deeper roster overall. I'd also look for uh, Nigel Pack to have like a Jimmer for death, Marquise Noel, Mookie Pookie or whatever his name is from South Carolina that just couldn't miss last year, like that type of Mickey Mouse run and just drop like 60 on somebody. Uh, I don't think he's going to drop 60, but uh, those those two things make me nervous. Uh, but uh, I, like I said, we're we're just the better team. Uh, so I think ultimately we do end up winning. So potential counterpoint, Bradley, I'm not 100% sure on this, but he might be better than Trey Mitchell. But isn't Omir also kind of like shorter? Like Hunter Dickinson was yeah, seven he's, foot one. Yeah, he's 6'7". Yeah, so I, I feel like that at least kind of plays more in our favor. Um, like I, I'm fine putting Adu or Trey on him. Uh, I, I'm not overly familiar with this game. But I just think one of those two guys should be able to handle him. Like he's not going to have thirty and twenty. Not going to look like uh, like Hunter did at least. So I'm absolutely a box score merchant. I don't watch a ton of film, uh, but I'm looking at kind of the season stats right now, and a couple things stand out to me for Miami, and specifically with Omir. So Miami, like you said, does not have a ton of depth. They have five guys that that play twenty seven minutes a game. Their neck, their sixth guy only plays 13 minutes a game and only scores three points. So they so are naturally five... he's gonna so naturally <laughs> he's gonna drop 45 on us. Bensley Joseph. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh or no, not Bensley Joseph. It's uh AJ Casey. Yeah, he's averaged three point two points a game. But yeah, uh, but what sticks out to me for O'Meer is he is averaging three point four personal fouls a game so far which is a very high number. Um, so I can really see Kentucky potentially taking advantage of that on a per 40 basis on 40 minutes a game. He's averaging five fouls a game or five fouls for 40 minutes. Um, so if Kentucky could get him into foul trouble, if they can drive the ball, get the ball to the basket and challenge Omir at the rim, suddenly the guy that Bradley thinks is the best player on the court may get into foul trouble. And if they have such a short bench, that could be a huge advantage for Kentucky. Who's like seven, eight players deep. So um, obviously I'm not in the game plan room with John Welch and uh, Cal Perry and all that. But uh, if I'm looking at these stats, I'm saying, yeah, let's go at Norchad and just try to get rack up the fouls on him, force them to their bench. Yeah, I think we need if Adu is starting, which he probably will. Um, he he needs to go right at him. He it, like if you want like just instant put someone in foul trouble, it needs to be Adu. And we saw, especially in that Kansas game, we really did not get things moving offensively until we started going at him. Hunter Dickinson was just able to camp himself in the paint and just kind of play like a free safety because he was not like utilizing himself and then Adu went off and he had like 16 and 13 that game he needs to have a similar type performance I just think he is a mismatch nightmare for Miami I, I really do think that buddy you're making a silly face over there do you have sorry well I was just um 
I was probably going to say something unrelated. I was just reading Twitter. I was reading Alan Cutler tweets. <laughs> Alan Cutler and oh, Matt, oh, Matt Jones going at it right now. Uh, a little oh, I don't gonna, know if they're I'm going at it this. or if he's just sort of, uh, if he's sort of mentioning Matt Jones. Well, well, going at it in terms of like going at it on Twitter, like I don't think they're uh, actually. Hey, is Miami we... a better? Is Miami better at drawing fouls than us? Did you guys say that? Uh, I'll look at it. I, I think, think they're they similar to us just because they shoot I'd so love. much. They don't draw a lot of fouls. But Omir, like Bradley said, he's just super athletic and, you know. Yeah, Kentucky is shooting eight about 18 free throws a game. Miami is shooting uh, 19. So not a huge difference. So naturally, both teams are going to shoot like 40 free throws because the refs are going to make it about themselves. There's no way. There's no way the game gets that physical the way that we – Are we going to get TV <laughs> Teddy – if we get TV Teddy and Referina, it's going to no, be. Oh, it's, I just saw a game with him the other day. It was insane. It's the SEC ACC challenge, right? So it doesn't need to be like a neutral ref. It can't be like an SEC ref. I thought they would hire like maybe assign ACC or SEC. I really don't know. It might how be. It's going it to might go be down. based on the on the like home court. Uh, I don't know. Well, I hope it's not. I just remember I just remember the Kansas game. It was so stupid. Like all the things I complained about that game, I didn't have a chance to complain about this. Why there were each team had like 30 and 35 fouls. Everyone's best players were in foul trouble. Kansas had four guys in foul trouble. We had a bunch. Everyone had to sit the end of the first half, missing multiple minutes the second half. We had to take Rob Dillingham out of the game because of foul trouble. Reed Shepard out of the game. They had to do it as well. Just let the players play, please. No one came here to just watch 30 fouls from each team, a whistle get blown over 60 times in 40 minutes of gameplay, all these free throws, and to not have the best players out there because they're in foul trouble. Please, just one game. Rupp is going to be rowdy. Refs, do not ruin it because we will tell you you suck. To be fair, college players are consistently very bad defenders so like they college defenders foul a lot like if you watch the nba like they call a lot less fouls but they also just don't foul as much because they're much better defenders uh i will say that's not something i'm worried about with uh um kentucky because as a team we're only averaging like 13 personal fouls a game which is good for 56th best in the country um so that of the things to be worried about, I don't think us getting into foul trouble is one of the top things I'm worried about. It could be an issue, but I don't think that's how this game plays out. I think we're going to be a good free throw shooting team anyways, which, you know, knock on wood, but. <laughs> don't say that too loud. Hey, speaking of fouls and penalties, we didn't get any in the Louisville game. Woo! What a okay. transition. <laughs> <laughs> the most penalized team in the SEC. <laughs> And we didn't get any. You see that video saying like the whole game was rigged or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, it is so funny. How do you rig oh. a, a, you know, like a, a kickoff return? How do you rig that? How do you rig the two well, fumbles the whole, out of their arms? The whole thing was a bit. They just, they, they make a bit that all games are rigged. And so, mm-hmm. but anyway, do we want to transition to talking about that game or are we... Yeah. Oh, Brad Bradley is desperately trying to avoid having to compliment Mark Stoops. The Illuminati made our wide receiver throw punches. It's the Illuminati's fault. 
That's my impression of U of L Sheriff Mark Blanket Spanker, Deputy Duke. I'm blocked by him, so I don't know. I am on my personal account, but now that I have the uh, Rubs No Good login info, uh, I think we're playing nice on there. I so, think I, I think we need to issue. We need to issue a formal apology to all of our listeners for giving Bradley the login information. <laughs> I made Things one bad tweet. Out of control. One bad tweet. His tweet earlier talking about another third and Wenyan Gabriel conversion like, <laughs> gave him a little bit of buffer to work with. Unfortunately, he used it all up. Um, yeah, Chris Bell. Chris Bell had as many punches thrown as catches in the game. Um, <laughs> He's also the guy that threw the water bottle into the stands last year. Yeah, he has he has two <laughs> thrown punches, one thrown water bottle, and zero wins against Kentucky. Woo. So good for him. Good for him. Isn't it crazy that guys who stayed for a medical redshirt and for the COVID year still haven't experienced a loss to Louisville in football? <laughs> Like Brendan Bates has been at Kentucky since the Reagan administration, and he has not <laughs> experienced a loss to the Louisville Cardinals. Did you see his tweet where it's like, if I had a dollar for every time I'd be in Louisville, I've had five dollars? Like, that's not a lot, but it's kind of weird. It happened five times. I did see that. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's a, that's a, good it's a best TV show in history reference. That's a Face and Ferb reference right there. That's a very good reference. But did you see also Terry Brown like had – like eight different stages in his life he's like i met my i met my future wife we got engaged we got married we moved twice <laughs> like and since the last time we've been like i forget the whole Mercy. list of things he's did but he's literally <laughs> lived like an entire life an entire adult life since the Let's last time that. you watched us lose what were you all doing in what was it 2017 november of 2017 which was the last time Kentucky lost Louisville in football. College. Yeah, it was my freshman year of college. That was your freshman year? <laughs> I think I was a junior in high school. Young. Wow. And now look <laughs> at us. Look how far we've come. You're a g- <laughs> We're on a podcast that no one listens to and that we don't get any money for. <laughs> okay. We've got some listeners. Some very we do but... have listeners. Yeah, we love but... our listeners. <laughs> but if you'd like to sponsor us. <laughs> We have a good amount of listeners. Um, I thought I thought there was a, a good bookmark that somebody had, and it was like from three years ago or something. Oh yeah. And oh, did you guys see it? And they posted yeah. the picture of like the the wins, and it was like, oh yeah, well talk to me when you have a five game win streak from a Louisville fan. And then they came back all these years <laughs> later and said, "There's five. <laughs> That's been, they've been it's, holding on to that. Bookmark function of Twitter is the best thing that's ever happened to that app. Okay, but does anything make you more nervous than seeing that one of your tweets has like six bookmarks? <laughs> because I had a tweet, dude. I had a hundred and thirty one time. It was crazy. I I had a tweet that for me was a massive banger. It got like fifteen likes. No, I mean it got like it got like two fifty, which I know for y'all is nothing, but for me that's huge. It ended up being like my second biggest tweet ever. Uh, but it said, uh, hey, Louisville fans, Jeff Brom has as many wins against Kentucky as Scott Satterfield and Kenny Payne and you. But it got like <laughs> seven bookmarks. So now I'm scared to death the next time they beat us, which might be like 40 years from now. Now, Twitter probably won't even exist, but those bookmarks are coming out. Vol Twitter is the best at bookmarking <laughs> tweets. I have some really 
uh, mouthy tweets about Rick Barnes that have several bookmarks on them. So I need another sweep this year, or else I'm going to be in my my go to my go to Rick Barnes thing is he had Kevin Durant and couldn't get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I had <laughs> I, I had a tweet about it was something that Dane Key said about Florida. He said, "Yeah, well, I'm undefeated against Florida, so I don't really pay attention to what it used to be." And that one had over a hundred bookmarks from Florida fans. And as soon as they lost, that number started dropping. That number started dropping. It's still in like the eighties, like the high eighties. But that was a uh, that was funny. I, going back to the game itself, though, it was like everything that we saw wrong all season in the same game, but also just mini redemption sprinkled in. Like Dane Key has a couple terrible drops but also has maybe the sickest touchdown catch that we've seen in the Kentucky uniform all year. Uh-huh. Devin Leary has maybe the worst interception in decision-making I have ever seen in a football field in my entire life. And he had a couple of that pass that he threw to Barry on Brown in that game-winning drive. He threw that touchdown pass to Dane Key that was aforementioned. He redeemed himself from time to time. Um, Barry on Brown has not had a really good season. Very inconsistent. We're just waiting for him to break out and be the star that we hoped he would. He had tons of good catches. He had a couple good breakout runs. And of course he had the house call, the kick return touchdown that put us back in the game. And for every missed freaking tackle that our defense gave up in the stupid bend don't break defense that Brad White implements, look at JJ Weaver going out there and being a playmaker and getting two fumbles for us, which changed the game. So everything wrong that happened, I'm just glad that everyone put it aside. It was like, yes, we made a mistake. This is a flawed football team. This is not a very good football team. But Louisville is even worse. They suck, and I hate him. I hate them. And if there's one thing Mark Stoops knows how to do, it's how to go out and beat Louisville, and he did it once again. I'm very proud of our team. I know we did not look good. I know this wasn't a successful season, even though we really weren't that far from it being. We probably just needed one very winnable game away. But I'm very glad with how we closed it and how we fought and to keep that cup where it belongs, and that is in Lexington. I just that second half was just so explosive. And so I'm sorry, Bradley, I'll let you go to second. That that second half was so explosive and so fun. Uh I love that every single time that they kicked it off, we didn't take the fair catch. Barry and just ran every <laughs> single time. They just give it to him and let him go. And yeah, you know, like he can do that. He's shown us he's that's his third or fourth one in a Kentucky uniform. Like I mean, that's that's fantastic. Um, but then like putting it together and just saying, hey, we're not going to get penalties this game for a team that gets penalties all the time and is like notoriously undisciplined. Like we just didn't that time. And, it, you know, that's how we win. That's how we win. Like take a lesson here and then running through Ray Davis. That's the other thing is like there's so many things that like if we just would have kind of taken these lessons that we applied this game and had done those earlier in the season, we would have won more games. So it's a little sad that, uh, you know, we didn't just kind of adhere to that, but it is what it is. Yeah, that's where I was going, buddy, that, like, Ray Davis, since we're talking about redemption stories, like, Ray Davis has had some gripes, and some of them very legitimate, about his usage, at at least the last few games this season, for him to go and break the single-season rushing touchdown record. I haven't seen a lot of people talk about that, but he did that. He it was uh, just just the touchdown record, I think, single season, not rushing. Okay, all right. I thought he did it, hit a thousand yards. Any, anyway, yeah, yeah, hit a thousand yards, hit twenty touchdowns on the season, 
whatever record it was some record uh whatever record it was he did that and uh you know re- redemption stories you know we we won what one out of six and then we go and beat louisville because they suck and that was the weirdest spin zone i saw from all louisville fans was have fun on the couch next week while we're in the conference championship game yeah in the acc the worst conference in power five you know it's bad when the pac 12 is is better than your conference the acc is the absolute worst football conference shaping up to be one of the worst basketball conferences as well uh so you suck the acc sucks yeah louisville sucks the the pac 12 is better than the sec this year there's your hot take Okay, maybe. <laughs> but anyways, go on. Yeah, Louisville fans suck. Period. Yeah. And not only does the ACC suck, Louisville had to like not even face the three best teams in yeah. the ACC. <laughs> it was su- it's such a Mickey Mouse conference championship game. It's crazy. And Imagine they might if we they don't even have their starting quarterback. I swear to God, if they win, I'm gonna lose my shit. I right, continue. Imagine if we played an SEC schedule where we didn't have to play Alabama, Georgia, or what, LSU? Or Tennessee. Tennessee. Or Or Tennessee. Mizzou this year. Yeah. We would still have to play, like, four ranked teams. (laughs) Like, that's what the (laughs) SEC is. They don't play the top three teams in their conference, and their best win is Duke at home. Like... (laughs) It, oh, I guess no. They had North, they had Notre Dame, but they're not technically ACC, and Notre Dame actually isn't that good anymore. So, um, yeah, U of L. Like, I'm I'll brag about getting a top ten win. It's the most like the most Mickey Mouse top ten ranking I've ever seen. And like, they're a one loss team, and there was like three or four two loss teams above them in the rankings. The they knew that Louisville was fraudulent, and for as but good they had to, of like. A- yeah, so like they had to give them that ranking to like yeah. not have them burn down like the offices of the NCAA. But like, yeah, the hundred percent for as good of a win there. for as good of a win as the Notre Dame game was. Pitt was even a worse loss. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> yes. like Pitt is one of the worst Power Five programs in all of college football, and they lost to them. What kind of team loses to the worst team in your conference? We Kentucky would never do that. Never, never. Kentucky would never Stop. in basketball or football. We would never lose to the worst Stop. team in our conference in the same calendar year. Stop that it. would be incredibly <laughs> embarrassing. Oh no! Well, technically, it wasn't the same calendar year. Okay. <laughs> so you're right. We wouldn't do that. He's got you there. Not yet. Um. It kind of felt like when basketball last year we went and beat Tennessee at Tennessee. It it kind of felt like that in a way. Like we needed a win bad. You know what I mean? Like morale was in the toilet. We had to go and do something against a ranked team. And they may not be a good ranked team, but I mean, it was it was something that had to happen. And then it we thought for a few seconds. That that's how that's how Stoops was gonna was gonna wrap it up. That's how he was gonna go out, and it didn't it didn't go that way. Y'all ready to talk about that? I am. And first of all, you have to realize, like when I'm going through this, I can only imagine what it was like for everyone else. So I was, and like I said, L.A. I'm in Pacific time, 
So when all this is happening, it's like late at night and I'm trying to kind of follow. I was also doing something, but like for a lot of people, you probably went to bed and was like, damn, goodbye, Mark Stoops. And then woke up and like, just saw like, wait, 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 what, what is going on? He's back. Like, is this, I got to check to make sure this is a verified account. I literally did that when I saw the Matt Jones account. I was like, this has got to be Pels. Like, you switched his profile. He switched, like, his <laughs> at. Like, this is not the real Matt Jones tweeting out that Mark Stoops is back right now. And I clicked on it, and I'm like, no, it's verified. I'm really reading his old tweets. Like, they all have, like, hundreds and thousands of likes. I'm like, Pels ain't doing that. Um, but, yeah, I I just remember after the game, I was like, I, I was convinced Stoops was leaving. And I don't want Stoops to leave. Bradley, let me get through this without just like mocking me and making weird faces because I'm going to say some nice things about Mark Stoops. I think right now he is the best coach for Kentucky. I think losing him would hurt the program, at least in the short term, a lot. But I'm at a point where as much as I want Stoops back, the one win over Louisville does not erase an entire season of errors that we must address. And I don't know if Stoops can address these errors. And if there's ever a time to have the most obvious replacement coach available, it's to go and hire John Sumrall as an assistant right now, or as a head coach right now. Because I think he will be a head coach somewhere else after this year. So if Mark Stoops wants to leave after next season, the obvious replacement of Sumrall will not be there anymore. So I think, do you know what? We came off the highest high of wins like Stoops might have just reached his peak here. The obvious replacement is here. I don't want Stoops to leave, but there's ever a time it was going to happen. It should be right now. And mm-hmm. I kind of came to terms with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then everything else happened. I, I want to do, I want to ask y'all, do you think that Mark Stoops declined the offer or do you think the offer was taken away from him? The old Cutler versus Jones. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> It really depends. Here's the thing. Both sides have a motivation to skew the truth. Um, Kentucky wants to make sure that the fan base doesn't absolutely turn on Stoops after like probably a top three win in his tenure. Um, So they want to make sure that they know like Stoops chose us. Now, that still doesn't take away the fact that he was looking and I don't don't necessarily blame him for looking at the way I would look if Texas A&M who if you go five and seven they'll still pay you like 50 million dollars to leave like I would still look at that job but that's that's the spin that they want because they're motivated to do that and Matt's motivated to um put that spin in front because he's friends with Vince and Mark now Texas A&M also has motivation to spin it the way they're spinning it they don't want the head coach of Kentucky football to deny them that would be a really bad look for a proud program they don't want their program to seem undesirable from top coaches because let's be honest the guy who they end up hired probably isn't going to be their long-term coach they want to make sure that it's still a uh, respected and uh, desired like honored spot for top head coaches in the country so they don't want the embarrassment of the guy from kentucky telling them no um, now we'll say this, the journalists at Texas A&M, I don't know how close they are with the Texas A&M athletic department, but no one is as close to the coaching staff or people connected to the program as Matt Jones is to 
um, Mark and Vince. I am going to go ahead and say I'm more on the side of Stoop said no, because I think he has some motivation to do that. If Stoops goes to AM, if he goes seven and five for two straight years, what happens? He gets a fire $40 million buyout and gets hired to some other school like Iowa and then is sitting pretty for the rest of his life. He he gets fired and he, for $40 million. He, <laughs> I understand that, buddy. I know you're going to spin it, but he like Texas AM would not be a long term stop for him if he doesn't hit these lofty expectations. If he goes seven and five, three straight years to Kentucky, what's he going to get? Three years of contract extension automatically built into his contract. The job stability at Kentucky is so much crazier. The bourbon business he has here is a huge pull. Um, Like, it makes sense in some ways that he stays in Kentucky. It could be a little bit of both, but that's more the side I'm taking. I know a couple of you at least disagree with me. Okay, yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, (laughs) uh, Okay, well, here's, I mean, so nothing, it's not that I like, don't believe Matt Jones or think he's being malicious. It was just like, it was already out. It was already out. Like it had, the story had broke, you know, well before Matt Jones was like, Oh no, 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 wait, no, no. He said, no, he said, no, you know, like, Oh, that's convenient. You know, now that this is already, it, it had already happened, you know, like the, the story had come out two or three times uh, from two or three different reporters that were close to it. And I, I guess in the end, we'll never really know, but it just doesn't, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I'm okay with us. Like, I'm okay with us pretending that, like, he said no. If that makes everybody feel better, but I absolutely don't believe that. Why would he say no? A and M is a, a fantastic job. He's got better resources. He's been moping and well, okay, moping and crying's aggressive. He has been asking the fan base aggressively for more nil and you know, pony up and you know, help us out here. He wouldn't have to do that nearly. I mean, it's unlimited oil money at Texas A&M. He has the resources. He has, I mean, he's going to get a fantastic buyout. So, or, you know, job security, who cares? Fire me. I'll go, you know, I'll coach at IO in two years and I'll get, it's it's fine. So I think that he was looking for the job at A&M. I think he said yes to the job at A&M. It's, I also think that's perfectly understandable and we should not hold that against him. Like that's a, that's an upgrade of a job. That is a better job. You take that job if you can get that job. It would make perfect sense for him to do. I don't think that we should hold that against him. That's just business. That's just like how it works, you know? Um, and if we're going to, you know, if we're going to say, and, you know, he may have told Matt Jones that like, oh, no, no, I, I couldn't leave the program. And Matt Jones would be like, oh, okay, well, Stoops told me directly, so it must be true. Like, well, yeah, that's what I would tell you too if it were me. You know what I mean? Like that. So I, I don't think it's like a big lie necessarily, but I, I just don't I, – I don't really think that that's what happened. But that's okay. That's okay. I still don't think we should blame Stoops for this. See, buddy, well, based I... on how – here, one, one sec. Based on how Matt was talking about it on the show today, I don't think he was just told by Stoops what happened. It seems like Matt was in the room with Vince and maybe even Stoops as this was all going down. He was in the room uh, with the way he at least had was in the room with Vince. I know that we know that for a fact. I don't know if he was with Mark, but he was with people who were in the know. So he was following it in lifetime. That doesn't stick, take away the incentive for him to kind of fudge the truth to make Mark and Kentucky seem better. But I, I don't know. I, I, 
I, I know Texas A&M wants to spend this the right way, especially to keep the drama away from their new coach. Well, I, so let me give you like a little like timeline that people have put together here is that 40 minutes or so before Matt Jones was in the room with Vince Marrow, Vince Marrow was at Jeff Ruby's eating chicken tenders. I'm just kidding. I don't know what he was eating, but he was he showed up and was on his phone for this is what people saw. He was on his phone for 30 minutes and just looked astounded and shocked and surprised and was outside taking calls and coming back in back and forth. That that was what was going around about 40 minutes before. Matt Jones took that selfie with Vince Marrow is that Vince Marrow was pacing in and out of the restaurant, taking phone calls and looking astounded at, at the text messages. Just so you know, that came out first. I mean, before there was any. See, buddy, I, I was on your side kind of feeling how you did until they went and hired Mike Elko. I think the if a and reaction, I think if A&M went and hired Ryan Day, or whoever that moron from Clemson is, uh, Dabo Sweeney, I would be like, yes, okay. The Texas A&M, they didn't like Stoops. This is a better <laughs> coach, whatever. I don't, like, Mike Elko is not a better coach. So it doesn't make sense to me that they would turn down Stoops or Mike Elko. That's the only reason that I personally am just not buying the A&M side of things. And I kind of believe Stoops because you just, like, Mike Elko just lost 23 nothing to Louisville. We realize that, right? Look, this this all comes back to, I think, where the money's coming from and what their opinion is, whether it's informed and good or not. But, I mean, you know, they're able to pay a $70 million buyout. Then you you have to listen to to where the money comes from. Like, they are... Do you think the money was saying Mike Elko, the, the, the guy that just lost 23 nothing to Louisville? I mean, I mean yeah. go ahead, Brad. Go ahead. Oh no, m- mine is is changing direction. But yes, the money was saying Mike Elko. I can I can say that definitively. End of the day, I'll you know I'll accept I'll accept you know Stoops said uh, that's that's what we we say to help ourselves sleep at night. Like I'm totally cool with that. I, you know I'm not trying to call anybody a liar or anything. But like the way that that whole night unfolded, like you were in bed maybe. I was up till 2.30 a.m. like watching the whole thing chronologically as every single thing happened and every single thing leaked across seven different message boards or whatever that I had people and were watching. So, I, you know, I just I don't believe this. I don't believe this version of it, but I'm I'm totally cool with with going with that. And that's the thing. Like, who cares? Like, even whatever version you like think of, you cannot blame Mark Stoops for either entertaining exactly. or wanting to accept an A&M job. And right. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, do I care that Trey Mitchell's only here? Because Bob Huggins had a few too many Miller lights? No, I don't care. Do I care that Antonio Reeves is only here because he couldn't graduate from college in five years? No, I don't at all. I sleep perfectly fine at night with those two phenomenal basketball players on my team. So if Stoops is only here because of whatever, I won't think twice about it. So much crap happens to Kentucky. If something nice wants to just fall on our lap every once in a while... I'm not going to get like into the semantics and be like, no, well, it only happened because of that. I'm not going to be happy. I don't care. Here's the thing. The perceived truth of four guys on a podcast, it doesn't matter. Stoops is still here. That's fine. What matters is the perceived truth in the locker room. Do the players think that they got like did that their coach left, but was forced back? Or do they think that their coach chose them? That's going to be the main thing this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping Dion Walker huge, 
we've got to throw. I want, I, I want to get into this a lot more deep. So I want to I want to let Bradley go. I want him to speak his crap, and then yeah, go for it. Go I go. do want to spend a few minutes on what you're saying. Okay, I would, I just wanted to make a comparison about this real quick. Let's say that we wrap up this episode, and I check my phone, and I have a DM from Jack Pilgrim that says, "Hey, I want you to quit rub to no good and be on sources say you're <laughs> stupid if you think I wouldn't take that." I mean. You're you're dumb. I'm telling hey, you guys. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm I'm telling you guys. Thanks for the memories. I appreciate it. Love you boys. But I'm taking my talents to sources. Say, now let's say I, I hop in the studio with Jack and I get there and he says, well, actually, I decided uh, that we're gonna have a little reunion with Travis Graff. Uh, so your services are no longer needed. You know what I'm gonna be doing. I'm going to be coming back on my hands and knees to rub to no good. And uh, you know what? I'm probably going to be telling y'all, Hey, Jack offered me, but I turned, <laughs> sorry, Jack, Jack proposed an offer, uh, but I turned him down. I'm sticking with rub to no good. Uh, I, I, com- I could never leave you guys. You just compare Travis Graff to Mike Elko. Yeah, that's that's where I'm losing y'all's comparison. <laughs> well, oh, okay, okay, but here's here's where the comparison is: the donors wanted Elko, and people would rather listen to Travis Graff because he's not an absolute moron like I am. <laughs> that you got a fair point there, you know. Sack, <laughs> I, Sack, I can definitively tell you, the boosters wanted Elko, but and, uh, but uh, over Ryan Day, the boosters wanted Elko. Well, let's say I can I can definitively tell you that. Bradley, 100%. let's say you let's say you and your current platform hosts a podcast that gets top ten in streams. Okay, you you are able to surpass top ten in streams. Okay, and let's say simultaneously this Travis Graf or Travis Graf figure that we're using this analogy. Um, post on the same day with the same content and puts up zero like Tim Elko did against Louisville and then you said like I, I get it but you're like I'm you're, you're, yeah no no Sack, what I'm saying I'm, I'm not saying the donors make sense in saying that what I'm saying is it, it okay it's just like whenever Kentucky fans were saying put Dante in when he's putting up a tour date, uh, like a January tour date, or like a hypothetical zero-month tour date every single time he checks into the game. There's no rationale behind it at all. They really, it's different. They wouldn't, Imagine... they wouldn't care if Mike Elko was from, uh, like, I don't know, New Hampshire. They wouldn't care. They only want Elko because he's an A&M guy. A Louisville, Bradley, ha- Bradley. Louisville hired Kenny Payne, after all. <laughs> Bradley. Imagine these Kentucky fans that you mentioned paid $70 million to get BJ Boston out of the shooting guard spot. Like, yes, they wanted Dante, but if they paid that much, don't you think they would have just thought a little bit harder about who they wanted their next shooting guard? No, before they no, pay that they, again? no, they no, wouldn't because it would have been Kelly Kraft. <laughs> He's a Kentucky boy. The part that got me, the part that got me was that the report came out that night. That Stoops had already begun telling people that he was taking the AM job. And then, like, you know, like 40 minutes before it all, like, no, 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 he's he's actually staying at Kentucky. There were players that were saying, 
you know, y'all saw the tweets from the players, like they clearly thought he was gone. And then there was the all these reports about Vince Marrow's head spinning, running back and forth, taking phone calls and Jeff Ruby's. And I mean, there was nothing definitive said, you know, from from Matt Jones until after all of that went down. It's just it's it was an interesting I you know, but it's whatever. It's whatever. I don't there's really no point in arguing about it. Y'all are right. And really the funny thing is I spent the whole next day defending Stoops, saying there's no shame in him accepting that AM job. And everybody's like, No, he's not loyal to Kentucky. He doesn't want to be here. I'm like it's just a better job. It's just a better job. Like and so it, you know, it sounds like I'm like, you know, arguing with him now, but in reality, like I I'm cool with him being here. He deserves more time if he wants more time here, at least another year. Um, and, you know, nobody's ready to fire him. Maybe Bradley is. But, um, you know, it's, it's so I'm still on his side, but I'm just saying I don't believe that version of the story. Okay, real quick. I don't want to fire Stoops. I might joke in group chats about firing Stoops, <laughs> but I don't want to fire Stoops, okay, because I don't think we could get anybody better. No better coach is coming to take the Kentucky job. Uh, but anyway, that that whole scenario I brought up, kind of defending Stoops, because not a one of y'all would blame me for going to sources say if, if that hypothetical offer were on the table, because it's a you know it's a better, it's a better, it's a better podcast. <laughs> but uh, you know, not none of y'all would blame me for that. So I don't blame Stoops for wanting to take the job or taking the job. And, you know, I'm not going to say he did or didn't. I don't know. I wasn't there in in the room. I I wasn't having those conversations. I will say every national media member saying that he took it versus only Kentucky media members saying that he turned them down. That seems a little weird to me, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not important to argue about it. The point is Stoops is going to be our coach uh, this upcoming season. So let's just do the best. Isn't that what we say about Cal haters all the time is Cal's going to be our coach. So just support it. That's what I'm doing with Stoops. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself a Stoops hater most of the time. You know, he does some things that I would prefer that he didn't do, but Did you listen to last I, I just want, I just want Kentucky football to be good. And right now we're going to be good with Mark Stoops as our coach. So that's what I want. Can I, can I say a hot take really quick? Yeah. I don't think – I think John Summerall's ceiling is Mark Stoops. Completely agree. I, I think this idea that people think he's going to come in and be just like eight, nine, ten wins every season and never have bad seasons and immediately just pick up the roster right where it was and think that all of a sudden now that Summerall's here, we're going to beat Georgia and be able to have, develop quarterbacks – and have a high-powered offense, something we've never done in the history of this program. Like, I, I just don't think it's going to be that. Great guy, great coach. If Mark Stoops was fired today, I'd love him. I think he'd be fine, like, immediately. I just don't think he's going to be this improvement that people think he's going to be. <laughs> um, what I was going to say, uh, you know, I was really interested. I was really the timing of it felt very right when we thought for a few, you know, minutes that that was a reality because of every, I mean, it feels like, Oh no, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Um, I'm sorry that I'm the viewers have no idea what we're talking about. All this, all these camera antics uh, really get out of hand. Um, anyways, whatever. 
I thought the timing was nice. I would have been interested to see what Stoops could do at a program where he had the resources that he acts like are so important at Kentucky. You know, I I believe him too. I'm not saying he acts like it. Like I would have I would have been interested to see what he could do. Um, I also would have been interested to see what Kentucky could do without Stoops and what our ceiling really is. I do think that it is asinine to believe that there is no other coach out there that could succeed at Kentucky other than Mark Stoops. I do not think that. And but I do think it's a dice roll, not a coin flip. So, you know, Stoops might be a five, and what are your chances of rolling a five or a six? You know, much worse than they are of rolling a one through four uh, and just getting worse. So I think that's – but I don't know. People say there's nobody that can do it like Stoops. We're going to fall off a cliff. It's a guarantee. Like, there'll be a rebuild, but I don't think that there's nobody else who could do what Mark Stoops does at Kentucky. I just don't. You know what would be the funniest possible ending to this story? I'm not saying the best ending, but the funniest – if Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes go into the Big Ten Championship, beat Michigan, and then during the trophy accepted speech, Kirk Ferentz says, I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm going off on top. Oh, we do immediately. They would oh, do it. Would oh, be, that would backfire so hard. Him saying, like, it would no, be a sp- I, I want to stay at Kentucky <laughs> immediately. It would be a speed <laughs> run for how quickly a coach packs his bags in his house like <laughs> now like i don't want that to happen i want that to be clear but part of me will laugh so hard if that were happened on saturday are we entirely sure he wouldn't go to michigan state dude michigan state's cursed he, he should not go there. i don't think he'd go there the the thing is, like, if you buy into a lot of what uh, you talked about, WT, what uh, Matt Jones was saying on his show today, that like, do do you think he had a choice, or do you think it was like the 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 bourbon business that was here? He also brought up that he wanted a lot of, the, or he put feelers out there for some of the coaching staff to follow him, and it wasn't as receptive um, as Stoops would have initially thought. So, I mean, I would guess at least the same would apply to Michigan State, but. WT, you brought you brought up a really good point, which is how do you get the locker room back? How do you convince an incoming class of three and four stars um, that they can compete here when their head coach says, "Yo, well, yeah, look at the other teams; they only have five stars." How can you convince transfers to come here when you say all year our NIL sucks when there's other NIL giants that they can go to? How do you convince? your players to come back and return to Kentucky without entertaining other options in their transfer portal. When you pretty much on the record, were like 90% of the way to Texas A&M and whether you decided to not take that last 10% or it was forced upon you, you got that 90%. How can you get the incoming class to buy in transfers to come here and help us out? Cause we know we're going to need them and returning players to not transfer themselves, especially the key ones, like the Deion Walkers of the world. Like, we have such a young defense. We have so many really good freshmen and sophomores right now, and this could be a very good team if they all come back and we get a couple uh, veterans from the portal. But can you get them all to buy in, or is this going to be a max exodus anyways? Well, if I had the answer to that question, then I'd be paid $10 million a year. Um, But... Real, and I know this. It's kind of in hindsight now, but the way you get those guys to stay is you win. And we didn't do 
that at the rate we needed to this season. Like, I think if we beat South Carolina and we go eight and four, our four losses are to like three top 10 teams and a team that is capable of being a top 10 team. Like you can explain that away. Be like, Hey, we beat a top 10 team, however fraudulent that is in Louisville. And we just ran into a buzzsaw against other really good teams. And we were competitive with one of them in Tennessee. Um, so like we are building something and like next year's going to be a challenge, but Hey, we, we are capable of winning games. The South Carolina loss, I think, is going to be really key in those guys' decisions because that loss you can't explain away. That was due to coaching. That was due to player development. That was due to um, player buy-in, like preparedness for the game plan. Like that was an embarrassing loss, and I don't know if the, if a Louisville win is going to be enough to cover that. I I'm afraid that he did more damage to himself just with his comments during the season than he did on the field or, um, or even looking at the A&M job. Uh, I think he did more damage with just other things that he said. Um, You know, and we've talked about that before, I think with the, the pony up so we can have better players type of comment. Like what's that say to the players you have now Um, and, and other things. So, I, uh, it's, you know, anything that he's got to overcome, any obstacle he's got to overcome is like one that he put in front of himself. And so I, I don't feel great about that. But they've also had a track record of recruiting really well for the past couple of years, or at least this last year, especially. So I don't think that we, you know, we count him out quite yet. Um, you know, you, you did it last year. Show us what you can do this year. So do y'all want to get into listeners questions? Sure. Let's do it. All right. That means I have to actually pull them up. Um, Eli Cox says, what were your reactions to Mark Stoops leaving? Were you excited for a new coach or stat or sad that we lost Stoops and the rest of the staff? Yeah. Like I said, I was kind of in the middle. I didn't want to lose Stoops, but it feels like if we were to ever lose Stoops now would be the ideal time. So it was kind of mixed feelings. Like I was sad, but if we are ever going to do this, like, let's just do it right now. Let's go. Yeah. So like, the four of us really have not witnessed a true like head coaching search, like in times that we've been aware uh, in football or basketball. So <laughs> I, you know, I was excited for that. Uh, I was significantly less excited when every single person was like, "Well, if Stoops leaves, it's going to be summer all." I want to search. I want to look. I want to see what options are out there. Well, give me TJ freaking was... Otzelberger. <laughs> uh, well, there was apparently like the it, like Mitch was prepared for this possibility, and he, they uh, Matt essentially said that there was three options: Summerall, and then two guys that are currently on staff, which I can assume is either Cohen, Brad White, or Vince Merrill. <laughs> that that was apparently the three options. Um, Summerall, I think, is the best of those three options. I don't think Cohen succeeds as a head coach because he needs the like he barely gets by as an offense coordinator he needs as much time as he can get just working with the offense he should not be in charge of everybody but i i'd much rather have stoops right now i'm just worried about when that iowa job opens up what happens related question related question from kentucky shrek at real bbn fan 
What a uh, that that that's a good account. That's it's formerly good. certified mother's boy, by the way. I know, and I know. For those Great rebrand. Know like his rebrand. Go with the rebrand. Yeah. Don't get people all confused, Bradley. So um, he says, <laughs> if Stoops did leave, what coach could we have realistically brought in with the same air quote cool factor end quote an impact that Cal brought when he first came? No one realistically. Everyone's going to say Dion. <laughs> no, like, Dion. or maybe just Bradley's going to say Dion. Is there anyone else out there that has the same kind of? Didn't Dion win four games? Didn't he win four in a row and never <laughs> again? <laughs> but he's what Dion. If, what if? What if we? Does Jeff Brahms say no to nine million dollars to move seventy miles east? I mean, yes. We we've yes, got to call Saban. We've got to call Saban just to see what he <laughs> says. So shout out, shout really out Danny Davis. For you have to make him say no. <laughs> so when <laughs> when I was convinced that uh, we were losing Stoops, I sent out a tweet of like, "Here, these are seven coaching hires that I can potentially see. Most of them are unlikely, but uh, the top three I had as unlikely, but that would be interesting, are Lane Kiffin, because he's like not that. making he's not making nine million at Ole Miss." Well, he wouldn't make it. Uh, and Olmus is getting kind of frustrated with him. Uh, Deion Sanders, which is unlikely, but we would get an influx of talent at least. What? I mean, he, Deion Sanders at Kentucky at an SEC school? He's we'd, gonna, that'd be crazy. We'd get smoke in that was, safety back. What was his name? <laughs> we, we get, the gun uh, guy. Vito. Purple legend. And then Coach O, uh, Orgeron. Uh, I think that would be a interesting hire. Definitely a controversial one. But like he did win a national championship. Yeah, with Joe Burrow. Um, just no, no. I mean, yeah, he, but like but he got he, Joe Burrow there. So like. And he does have some very similar tendencies to Stoop. So it wouldn't be a huge gap. <laughs> Stop. No, my God. What? I'm talking about strong, defensive minded, you know, willing willing to go after. So, Brian, get, uh, get what he wants. Brian he recognizes him quick. We're cutting you off, Bradley. Brian Cornette says uh, <laughs> he didn't ask a question. He just pointed out that Kentucky has been named the Cheese It National Team of the Week. I don't know if that's for basketball or football, but that that's awesome. Football. It's it's football and I love it and we should start something. Like if Cheese It has a team of the week, like why don't we have the Rup to No Good Metamucil team of the week? Like team that just <laughs> makes you poop. Uh so this week's Rup to No Good Metamucil team of the week is the Louisville Cardinals. So uh Barry <laughs> so Barry on Brown Speed Camp, he asks, um uh, he has a basketball question. Who is our season MVP so far? So that's really interesting. You think about the first few games, it was kind of Reeves, Kansas, it was Dillingham. I don't even remember who we played, but Reed Shepard had the Reed Shepard game. DJ Wagner as of late. Trey Mitchell carried us in overtime against St. Joe's. We've had like across how many games have we played? Six, seven, eight games. We've had like five different MVPs. Um, I don't know if I could pick one yet. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say Trey. But uh, the court will be up for the Miami game. We'll see. I'm going to say Reed Shepard. I know that's, that makes me sound like I sit in uh, row double-A of Rubberina. Uh, but I'm going to say Reed because um, 
we are not the team we are if he was just met expectations. If he just met us expectations, he'd be playing 15 minutes a game and would be like a pretty decent piece to back up DJ. That This team is who they are because we have insane depth at guard um, that are that's covering for our deficiencies in the front court uh, with uh, all the guys out. Reed is leading the team in plus minus for the season. And he's... He's leading like the country in plus minus, by the way. He leads the country in plus minus. Leads the country? The country, yes. I did not even know that. So, uh, yeah, he's my MVP because, like, he has had such a positive impact on the court. And I wouldn't even consider him our best player. I think our best player is somewhere in between, like, DJ and Rob uh, and Antonio on certain days. But the fact that Reed has exceeded expectations that much, he is what's making the team what it is. Now, Trey obviously has a big impact on that because he's running the offense really, really well. Um, but just Reed is has been insane. He's been really awesome. So a friend of the show, Acuna Corn, he says, did Mark Stoops achieve enough at Texas A&M? Never lost, didn't cost the university a single dollar or any of the taxpayers. Um and not As, one person, not one person transferred away from Texas A&M under his watch. So that had I, as I think many well. SEC championships, as many SEC championships and as many 10 win seasons as Jimbo Fisher. Oh, very good. Very good. So very good. at least matched his predecessor. Um, Kentucky Spider-Man. He says, how many threes do we need to hit to beat Miami? Bradley is, is uh, someone is an SEC record going to get broken this game? Yeah. Sure. I think. Nice. I'm on board with him, Bradley. Let's go. I'm hyped. Way to give me hype, Bradley. Let's go. I think we need to hit. I think we need to hit 10 threes and they're maybe not 10. I depends how many we take. I want to shoot around 30%. So 33%, 35%. So if we take 30 like we have been, yeah, that's around 10 threes. But the bigger thing. One person cannot go like O of 117 from three. It just can't happen. Everyone needs to be at least a little bit consistent. And if you're bad, I, I know the Deion Waiters quote, like I'd rather go like O of 30 than O of nine because that means you gave up. Um, Like give up. Like if you're Antonio Reeves and you start out O of six, give up and just let someone else shoot all game, please. Hey, you miss 100% of the shot, shots you don't take. That's Wayne Gretzky. That's, my That's fine. That's fine. No, you... That that's fine. As long as your like total is not one of fifteen at the end of the game. Just no one, please. I just want one big game where we don't have someone with a generationally terrible shooting night. Um Kentucky typical Kentucky fan. I think we're meeting him tomorrow. Section two fifteen. We'll have to coordinate a time. But he says who leads us in scoring tomorrow night against Miami? Should Robert. that lead us into our score oh. predictions? Let's just do it. Let's just do more? it. Yeah. Yeah. I kinda wanted Dillingham, but I no, believe no, barely you, enough you, today, no, so you, you go. You first. take him. You take him. Oh, you, take, yes. you take Dillingham. You know what? Rupp is going to be rowdy. Matt Sack is going to be up and rocking and on his feet in Section 19 all game. And I will be cheering on Rob Dillingham the loudest when he hits like five straight threes and leads Kentucky to a 91 to 85 victory. He's going to have like 27 points. Rob Dillingham's my MVP. Rowdy Rupp, baby. Cats win. I'll go next since I let Sack have my pick. So we've uh, 
we've seen big games from a lot of people. Uh, pretty much everybody, I think, on the team uh, so far has had an electric, just huge game. Uh, so I'm going to default to the guy who has been our most consistent player all year. I'm going to take Reed Shepard as my MVP, and here's my official prediction. He is going to put up a 30-point triple-double against oh, Miami. Gosh. So uh, Who's going to put yeah. up a 30-point triple-double? Reed. Jeez. In rebounds and assists, or is he going to do it in blocks and steals? Uh, you know, give me a five-by-five five for Reed rather than 30-point triple-double. Five-by-five. Five-by-five. Five points, five rebounds, five assists. by any Wildcat in any single game in history against the top 10 Miami. <laughs> like, just, I mean, goodness gracious. Like, what are you? I mean, he leads, score? he leads the team in every stat. Well, probably not every stat, but he leads the team in a lot in, of stats. Many stats, yeah. Uh, my official score, I will go 94, so right at our average, to 90, 90. 94-90. Going to be a, a tight game, but uh, Cats come out on top. I'm behind a 5-by-5 five five from Reed Shepard. I'm going to take DJ Wagner. That's my MVP. I think he's going to ride the wave. I think he's going to keep it going. I think that we're going to need a hero in this game at times, and DJ Wagner is going to be that guy. He's going to he's gonna get us a bucket. He's going to keep us in the game. He's going to make it to the rim more than people are expecting. Um, Trey would be a good pick too, but um, yeah, DJ. I think our offense is going to is going to flow well right through him, and uh, and and he's going to he's going to keep it up. Final score. Ooh, um, I'm going to go ninety two to eighty eight. Kentucky wins. I was at the uh, um, Marshall game. I saw what this offense can be. We're playing uh, Ken Palm 101st rated defense. These guys are not world beaters on defense. They play a very fast pace. They score a lot of points, but we score a lot of points too. Um, I have us winning 103 to 92. I think we pull away at the end. Um, and I have Trey Mitchell as our MVP. I think we match pretty well with their guards, uh, but I think Trey just running the show at the top of the key in that pick and pop action is just going to be unguardable if they don't have any size. Um, so I'm going to pick Trey. Um, we win uh, by 11, uh, and Rupp is as rowdy as it's ever been. I think Trey's going to just do great things in the paint. I, he's going to rebound like nobody's business. I think he's going to get just different kind of rebounds. And really, actually, Justin, I think I, I do and Justin, I think are going to clean up on the boards. I think we're going to, I think we're going to do a lot better there now that we're not so undersized. Um, yeah. It's going to be, I think we're going to tear it up. The The only thing is going to be stopping them from tearing it up too. It's going to be, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a fun game guys. It's going to be a, it's going to be a watch fun it. Game. Watch it be a Plus game in like the sixties. Like uh, <laughs> all of us are wrong, and it's just like a really slow paced, grinded out game. <laughs> just be the most unexpected. Like, it, we just everybody shoots and misses, so we all go to like back to this grinded out type of. Oh, please, no, no. As long as Nigel Pack puts up a tour date, too, I'm good. 
there one more question we have to answer, and this is the most important one from Kentucky enthusiast. Who is going to be the loudest Rub to No Good member at hashtag Rowdy Rub? Of course, it'll be Matt Sack. Thank you all for listening. Go Cats. It'll, it'll, it'll be me. It'll be me. Me. Yeah, that's false. Uh, I'm actually going to take Buddy because I've seen his work at Arkansas. Bang. Y'all see me tear my vocal cords out every every other game. <laughs> I won't have a voice the next day. No, but all in serious, we'll we'll have to we'll see we'll see the when we record Wednesday night. Hopefully, we're all talking with super scratchy throats, and none of us. <laughs> It'll just be a very unbearable listen. We're recording Wednesday night. Oh God, I'm not gonna have a voice. Where <laughs> I'm in trouble. It's found a couple of It'll be fun. I don't know Go if that helps your throat. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Go cats. But yeah, in all serious, thank See you, you all time. for listening. If you're listening to this, hopefully we're coming off of a win, or you're heading into rough right now. Be rowdy. Stand up all game. Cheer on the cats. Yell so loud so that Nigel Pack goes O of 84 and bring home the stub. Hashtag Rowdy Rupp. Go Cats. Don't be a Scott.